welcome Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Welcome um, tonight to our Medically Speaking program. We finally have spring, summer. I should say summer in spring. That's what usually happens around here. We kind of kind of parachute right from winter. Gets cold, rainy, and then we jump into summer, and we barely have a taste of spring. But we'll take it because the weather is incredibly nice. And with that being said, we are getting into the warmer weather. And as we get into the warmer weather, we are looking at more people becoming more active. And that includes running, golf, tennis, all the things that make us happy during the spring and summer months when we get ourselves out there and get active, even walking, you know, and doing more and more of what we haven't done before. So we thought what we'd do tonight is have a program based on physiatry, the the medicine of physiatry. And I have with me tonight Dr. Todd Berry. He is the physiatrist for interventional spine and sports medicine in Middlebury and Prospect. Yes, right? thank you. Thank Hi, you Dr. For Berry. Me. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, well, thank you for the invitation. I it think was, you uh, came when you first joined, Dr. I Patel, did. It, right? Will be, um, it'll be three years in three August. Three years. And uh, time kind of flies when you're time having fun. Time flies. Right? Definitely so, time um, flies. I really appreciate you, the invitation back, and we can have some good discussion uh, this evening. And uh, thank you. No, I am so happy. You know, we we had our, we talked about this the last time I was on. We had our Sparkle event a few weeks back. Which was and excellent. Thank you. And you were one of the participants, you and Dr. Patel and Dr. Jillian from the program and we were so happy you were there your table was busy yeah um, and Dr. Giuliani was uh, especially busy I think uh, he had a lot of uh, good questions did he really and uh, you know Dr. Patel and I also now Dr. uh, Giuliani is new to your group right newer to your group Uh, we're all three physiatry trained we're also uh, board certified in uh, pain medicine as well too but um, like I said I joined three years ago and then he joined um, it'll be a year in August for him to um, so collectively, you know, we, we, we treat a lot of different musculoskeletal conditions together um, and um, and uh, have a good, good, good fun practice. You do. You worked well together that night. You know, just that, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I watched that night and all the different physicians sitting with their prospective groups. It was fun to watch the colleagues work together. So, I mean, I could tell how you guys play off of each other. So that must be exactly what you do with your patients in the office. Yeah, it's good to have a good work environment. I think it kind of carries over to your care to the patients, too, that, um, you know, uh, that there's a kind of teamwork and collaboration. Yeah, so I think that's, that's important not only um, with your colleagues, but also to um, with your patients as well too because yeah, it's a um, it's not a uh, paternal medicine mm-hmm. where we we dictate care it's definitely uh, presenting more options and giving you um, things that can be done and discussing right. risk benefits and and uh, kind of collectively making that decision. So I tease the audience a little bit talking about physiatry. So what I want to do is we want to talk about physiatry and how it relates to sports injuries, which is why I started tonight by saying, you know, we're more active, we're out there doing more. I want to talk about physiatry. And I know when I have you on or I have Dr. Patel on, I always talk about the word physiatry. And I think it lends us to re-educate our audience again. And if anyone has any questions, I'll make sure I throw the number out. Although I'm sure my listeners are very well aware 203-757-1320. But talking about physiatry, and what it is? Sure, it's um it's a subspecialty. We're um we're all medical doctors. We completed medical training and post graduate training. Um, it's a specialty um, also known as physical medicine and rehabilitation. Kind of collectively, we are physiatrists, and it's a very broad uh, broad field. We there's a lot of different even subspecialties within the field that can be pursued. And the essence is that it's really uh, focusing on uh, making um, diagnosis diagnoses of musculoskeletal and neurological conditions Mm -hmm. and really having a focus on rehabilitation and focus on function and returning function from these uh, conditions and as I mentioned there's several subspecialties of those you know we primarily focus on more the musculoskeletal aspect of that but um, in terms of physiatry you'll find some that maybe focus in on traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. uh, which can include concussion Mm -hmm. um, in addition to spinal cord injury um, stroke Mm -hmm. uh, pediatric so it's a very broad field 
field um, that can incorporate a lot of different aspects, but um, a lot of times we'll um, collaborate a lot of times with physical therapy to coordinate care um, and other, um, whether it be uh, primary care, neurologist, or other um, surgical subspecialties to, again, really focus in not only on, um, on I mean, possibly pain relief, but really the uh, functional aspect as well. Too. That's Im- that's interesting to me, the functional aspect. And I think when we talk about sports injuries, that's basically the area we're focusing on is the functional aspect of the person. Now, before I get into that, though, what led you to that field? Because it's a really different field, but it's growing. Sure, I've sure. noticed it's growing. There's more, you know, there's definitely more physiatrists. There's more awareness, I think, of it now. The Some even the training programs are kind of expanding. Um, and I think just the, the also the change in climate of health care as well, mm-hmm. too, to, um, to really really maximize efficiency of healthcare that um, physiatry can also be beneficial as kind of uh, gatekeepers or uh, referrals to surgical subspecialties when really appropriate and try to um, um, try maybe uh, more conservative measures when indicated as well too. In terms of what drew me to it, um, I was um, drawn to kind of sports medicine orthopedics initially mm-hmm. through, um, through medical training and um, um, I've, I found myself initially uh, even attracted to physical therapy as an interest. And as I kind of did my medical training, I found that this was a nice blend of not only medicine, but incorporated the, the physical therapy aspect of it, along with um, um, the, the challenges of uh, diagnosis of neurological and musculoskeletal conditions. So it was a nice, um, I would say, mesh or marriage between medicine and uh, musculoskeletal care um, that uh, kind of ultimately brought uh, my interest I you know I started out my nursing career in orthopedics so but so it definitely way back in the 80s as I was teasing you earlier (laughs) when I graduated from nursing school in 82 but we didn't have this sure back in that period of time you know there definitely wasn't this specialty when did it emerge so physiatry has been around from for um, for a long time, for hmm. you know, for decades and decades, I think the awareness has has increased, um, and um, along with just the subspecialty of medicine as well too, right, of right. getting into more specific fields. I think physiatry kind of has followed suit yeah. um, to um, go into more of these some of the subspecialties that I mentioned. Um, and as far as the you know the the evolution of it in the last couple decades you know it's hard to kind of pinpoint of of what kind of spurred it on or or what was the catalyst but I think um, awareness is growing and I think that uh, there's uh, some awareness of kind of the things that we can offer and I think that may be a testament of why it's growing of just that uh, some of the the care that we can provide is uh, beneficial and the care you provide the type of care has grown too I mean the different procedures that you can do have changed and grown so much and and the different the different care that you can give patients to resolve issues or treat issues has changed you know one of the things that can be incorporated for some of these issues are interventional procedures in terms of um, injection type treatment Mm -hmm. and traditional a lot of um, even you know patients that will um, the question will say well that is that a steroid injection right. and, and by all means that that can still be done but there's a lot of different as you mentioned things that are not steroid based that can be considered now and um, there are uh, nerve techniques that are radiofrequency ablation that are indicated for um, you know cervical conditions that doesn't necessarily involve steroid but um, can be effective for pain there's also uh, some growing evidence or some trend of more regenerative medicine as well, too, of incorporating um, um, platelet-rich plasma treatment mm-hmm. for different tendinopathies wow. for certain conditions. Um, so it not, it's not as if all the uh, treatments are just uh, steroid-based. As it's well. definitely a branch of medicine that has always intrigued me. Um, ever since I've been doing radio, I think, because I've looked to topics that I really feel that we just don't know enough about. And to me, physiatry is one of them because I think people have a stigma on what it is, which is why tonight we wanted to talk about the sports medicine piece and what, you know, what um, drives you a bit, because I know that's one of your favorite pieces. So when you look at common, more common injuries that you would see, especially during this time of year, when people are playing more and more sports, whether it be a younger athlete or that weekend warrior that goes out and does something, what's some of the more common ones that you see? So as you mentioned, as the weather changes and people start to be more active, we we kind of come out of this 
hibernation, as I like to say, <laughs> especially with uh, our New England winters. Although this one wasn't, wasn't too bad. Mild. No, it decided to get bad in April. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, um, a, a lot of different things, and it doesn't always have to be just sports related. Too, mm-hmm. it can just be activity related of you know of getting out there and doing yard work and gardening. But um, a lot of conditions um, can be related to the low back. Mm-hmm. Um, as we start to um, get into more sports related, there's a lot of uh, tendinopathies with like elbow tennis mm-hmm. elbow which is a lateral epicondylitis um, as people try to increase their more their cardiac event cardiac um, and aerobic activity uh, people will start jogging or running and, <laughs> and um, that and is the you know what it's the easiest thing to do because you you could do it alone that's mm-hmm. why people like it because they can do it alone but it's the worst on your body the impact so the, I, I, I I don't like to Avoid or say, do right. not do this. Don't do it, do but, right, right. but it needs to be done under, you know, um, some some proper conditions and maybe a stepwise fashion. That's what I was always um, uh, kind of emphasize, mm. especially if these are activities you haven't, you know, if it's running, you haven't done for weeks or months on right. end, right. Um, that it needs to be incorporated in a much more gradual fashion. And even a warm-up process, it seems very uh, rudimentary or kind of basic, but uh, muscles that haven't been either stretched or um, uh, used in quite some time really need to be stretched in kind of a, a warm-up process. And that's neither whether we're young or old, um, but th- that can present uh, prevent potential exacerbation of injury. Oh, it's, so, and stri- it's so bad. You know, I, I, I can hear every bone in my body creaking. <laughs> when I try to get out there and run. So what, if you do have someone that's out there running, what are some of the common things you see with that and how would you treat them? Um, typically for a, um, either either avid runner or beginning runner, um, a lot of times you can develop uh, pain or heel, uh, foot foot or heel pain, and that can uh, sometimes be attributed to the, it's called a plantar fasciitis. I, I know, we started talking about this. And <laughs> I hope my friend Barb is listening. It is the worst thing. I've watched her suffer. How mm-hmm. how do you treat that? And the fascia is a, basically a, a fibrous kind of a band that runs mm-hmm. within the, the bottom of uh, the foot that um, really connects to the, the, the tendon sheath as well. Um, and that can off, often get inflamed, uh, tighten up, especially mm-hmm. if, it, if it's um, a new activity that yeah. has not been stretched uh, properly as well and once that cascade of inflammation or pain really um, um, starts it can be difficult to try to um, kind of deter that or or reverse that process Um, so one of the things um, is activity modification um, initially (laughs) so and that's the that's the hardest thing to try to tell the patient as well too because they they've obviously have a motivation and want to do this activity right um, and then at this time the body's basically telling in them that it uh, is doing more detriment than, than mm. good at this point. So, um, of kind of decreasing, kind of shutting down that activity temporarily. It's hard because you walk. You walk every day. Yeah. You yeah. know, especially for your, you know, your job. You're walking. Or it's hard. Initially, also, uh, it can be used as an anti-inflammatory as well, too. Um, your conventional NSAIDs, which mm-hmm. can include um, ibuprofen or um, or naproxen as well, right. too, that can be used uh, in the interim. Um, there's definitely... Um, physical therapy can play a component as well. Now, what would they do? What would a physical therapist do to... So, um, not only along with some of the stretching, actually, right. techniques okay. to um, stretch out that um, um, that area, but yeah. also some manual techniques. Um, you can develop kind of fibrous and tight tissue into that area. Um, they can also use um, modality treatments such as ultrasound, which uh, simulates kind of a deep heating mechanism, which um, can be used... Uh, um, to loosen up the tissues as well. Does that last when you do it, or will it? So um, the heating aspect, um, you know, is temporary. Just yeah, as, as you right, do topical right. heat, this theoretically is a way that you can um, provide heat to a little bit deeper, deeper, deeper okay. tissue and area, and that's done in conjunction to the stretching and exercise regimen. There's also um, some simple things you can do at home as well on an independent basis that of um, actually trying to loosen up those tissues of of using either a golf ball or tennis ball within underneath the the foot to to roll that mechanism. You can also to do what we call towel scrunches, which is an exercise which can be uh, 
um, daunting or a little bit frustrating. You yeah. realize your dexterity with your toes or feet are maybe <laughs> not quite as uh, what you would expect. Right. But essentially, you're you're exercising those intrinsic muscles of the foot um, um, to help alleviate the symptoms. If things fail in a convention measure of some of these exercise treatments, uh, oral anti-inflammatories, there there can be uh, nocturnal bracing as well too, okay. which uh, really puts um, the foot in a oh call oh. A uh, dorsiflexion, which is kind of the... To stretch it? Stretch it, and you can wear that at night. Okay. Hi, you have a call for doctor? Yes, can he comment on the latest technology in sneakers for helping runners? Sneakers. Sneakers. Uh, Footwear is uh, definitely a major component of, you know, to helping... um, um, treat your your whether foot pain and be um, it's very individualistic um, um, aspect as well too because we all have different feet we all have different structures of feet as well too of how we um, how we walk how we run and that can be dependent on firm on 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 your your form as well too so there um, well, I, I, is, I re- there go ahead I yeah re- yeah um, I've been run, I'm older so I've been running on grass. Uh-huh. But, but I, 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 my body's been sore lately, so somebody talked me into buying some running on cloud sneakers for 120 that are springy, <laughs> and I wondered if you heard about them and does it make any sense. So, you know, when it comes to the foot and a, a specific shoe, it really comes down to what your your um, your foot dynamic is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be the width of your foot. What shoe may work well for a friend or family member may not be the ideal fit for you. Um, there are um, um, there are at times they can use um, different um, techniques to actually see how your dynamic of your foot is, of how you walk. Um, sometimes uh, podiatrists can also help with that. Um, yep. um, in addition, even some of the higher level um, uh, running running stores uh, will actually kind of uh, see how your foot fits into that specific shoe. Um, so it's difficult to say, you know, well, this lightweight foot or shoe will be, you know, best for you because it really depends on that individual foot and then you also your gait and running mechanics because to collect, together collectively they kind of determine um, um, how your function is and that will help kind of guide whether whether you need a lightweight shoe, whether you need more of a cushion shoe, whether you need a wider, wider sole. Um, so it really depends. Um, does that help answer your question? Yeah, I think I'm so confused now. I need Robin to hire me a psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tom. All right. You're welcome. Bye. So funny. That also brings up um, the, the fad of the barefoot running. Oh, that barefoot was, uh, running. That was like about maybe three or four years years ago where they emphasized the shoes that came out that were very minimal sole or support. Oh, yeah, they were flat, flat. Yeah. yeah right. and um, thin. And the, the, the concept was that uh, we, we've been, uh, you know, running like this for some time and that, you know, this would be, this is getting back to basics. And, um, Caveman. Yeah. Caveman. So I, I would recommend if you do want to go that route that you don't do it you, you do it in a much more gradual stepwise mm-hmm. fashion and it, it probably wouldn't be um, ideal for for most people um, but what you said you know truly makes sense because it, everybody's different yeah and you've got to find that one that works for you and you get that question about what shoe should I get right and, right. and I wish there was a simple answer yeah. to say get this shoe and it says well well let me examine your foot right and let me see you standing let me see how you walk how you walk in and, it. That, and are you going to be running in it well let's see what your gait stride is let's see how, yeah. does it pronate does it right. supinate um, so um, it really comes down to gait mechanics and it, it seems like a very simple and fundamental but it's question not because it could throw everything else off yeah and we're a kinetic chain so right. what if if you're having um, you know an ankle issue or ankle instability, yeah. it can work up or develop into knee pain or hip pain. Um, so um, you know it's important that you do have good footwear. But the 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 easy answer of saying what what that is is um, is not so much. It's almost like a domino effect. You know, I was just going to ask you about gait, and you know, you talk about running, and we're talking about the foot, but it does move up the chain. It's like a domino effect. So if you're not walking right or running right or putting that impact on your body, and it's not an impact that's even, it can affect everything else. 
throw your hips off. Absolutely. And, I, and, that, and then that comes in, I think, when we see patients just on the initial intake of not only saying, well, what's your primary pain? Or do you have any ancillary pains mm. and to say um, whether maybe one thing could be causing the other and really focusing on physical examination as well too um, because that's the time where you can pick up a lot of maybe asymmetries or, or, um, or tightness within maybe hamstrings that right. maybe are related to low back pain and some associations and those are things that we can guide if maybe physical therapy is indicated that we can um, indicate on our, our prescription to focus in on maybe not just the primary um, source of pain, which maybe let's say, for example, the low back, but this could be, could be contributed to hamstring tightness or, or hip pain as well too, to address those other issues, which may have an impact on the right. back as well. You, you talked about, we should take our break and then we'll come back, Johnny, because when we come back, I want to talk about that connection with physical therapy and, you know, what a patient really needs to do to follow through with their physical therapy to make it beneficial. We'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Berry is a physiatrist. He is with Interventional Spine and Sports Medicine, and that is in Middlebury and Prospect. Anywhere else? You have uh, more, right? Farmington. We have it at Farmington uh, right, satellite at the Farmington office, office as well, too. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember Terry, your practice manager, telling me Farmington. You guys just opened that one up, right? Yeah, a couple months old. That's nice and close to your house. Yeah, yeah. Right? I don't mind the drive. You don't it's mind fine. the driving? No. You don't mind the craziness Time on the relax. No. no. <laughs> and you're coming in and going back I'm at the going, worst times. Yeah, I'm going against the. You're going against the grain. Yeah. Yeah, you're going against that's the grain. Not too that's bad. we're worth the drive. Waterbury's worth I the agree. drive. I agree. What What drew you to this area? Um, so Connecticut. Um, I always say a girl brought me here. That's my wife. I think you told me this before. <laughs> That's the we got easy some answer. pretty girls here. Yeah. So my wife is from uh, northern New Jersey area. Okay. So we're close by. And we so lived on by? the East Coast for some time as well, too, in Philadelphia as well. So it, it feels like home now. Feels like home. Yeah. Connecticut's not so bad. No. We're pretty proud of it. Right, Johnny? I've been a Waterbury girl my whole life. Just in Prospect, you can't. Prospect's kind of hop, skip, and a jump from Waterbury, so it's kind of like a little suburb of Waterbury, right, Johnny? So we're here tonight um, talking about physiatry, and you've done an incredible job, I think, explaining what physiatry is, um, and I think it's really important for the audience to understand the options 
that you have when you seek a physiatrist. Sure. So maybe we talk a little bit about that. So in, in terms of um, when you see a physiatrist, the I think the key is kind of determining what if they have a subspecialty. Right. And if it is musculoskeletal medicine as we do, you know, there's a lot of different conditions. A lot of times people will think, well, we just focus in on spine conditions. And, and uh, even patients that I've had for the last year or so, well, well I have an, you know, let's say elbow pain. You can't see me for that, right? Right. And, people uh, just think it's the back. Yeah. Which is why I wanted to talk about this whole sports medicine and thing. And we so much can broader. see a lot of, a variety of, right. uh, of musculoskeletal conditions, whether it's, you know, through in the upper or lower extremities. Mm -hmm. And again, our focus is on um, non-surgical methods and and trying to help not only diagnose your primary pain generator, but guide you in uh, treatments that maybe um, are non-surgical if indicated. And also the importance of indicating if surgery is necessary to steer you in that uh, Mm -hmm. direction, um, you know, um, in a time appropriate manner as well. We talked a little bit ago and I was saying I was interested in, we, we were talking about our Sparkle event and how you and your colleagues were there at the event, but I, I noticed the collaboration of orthopedics with you, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, Dr. Michelle Mariani, who was also at Sparkle, she's what part of Waterbury Orthopedics, sure. one of the only female orthopedic <laughs> surgeons out there. It's just, I always pump her on that. I think that's really neat, and we use her for a lot of our events. She was sitting down talking with you, and I said, oh, did you know them? She goes, do I know them? I work with them all the time. So I think it's interesting to understand the collaboration of different specialties with physiatry and how that works. Sure. I mean, we we work, like I said, closely not only with the orthopedic and surgical colleagues, also with the physical therapy mm-hmm. as well. If wherever that patient needs to go, it's to ensure that you're um, kind of involved with that care. In terms of the orthopedic, it's not uncommon that we share patients or refer patients uh, kind of both ways. A lot of times... Um, especially when it comes to neck and, and mm. shoulder pain, mm. you know, they can kind of come in hand in hand. Right. And sometimes one can refer to the other. So um, there may be a, a shoulder issue that is primarily addressed, and there may be um, some issue that's related to the spine, the cervical spine as well, too, that can be addressed. And we can kind of collaboratively work on those issues together to kind of right. provide uh, provide care. It's not always that you go to surgery. You know, you sometimes look at that more conservative method based on whatever the injury is yeah there's um there's there's things that can be done to the soft tissues if it's more muscular related there's um uh uh, trigger point injections to Mm -hmm. the muscle kind of help with spasm that that is done um in complement the, in, in, in the combination with stretching and, uh, right. and exercise therapy that can right. be um, considered as well um and uh those things can be just uh, measures that are done that are maybe a little bit less conservative. So we were talking, we were talking tonight about sports and yeah, you know we were yeah. talking about all the different sports we tend to get into. I know one of the sports here in the greater Waterbury area, which I don't know that people really realize, but I grew up in the north end of Waterbury and we had some beautiful tennis courts around us. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, although I stunk at it. Continue. The courts in Fulton Park are still beautiful. It's incredible to me how many people around here play tennis. Sure. And they really do. Because it's one of those things that, you know, it's just fun. You know, if you're, well, I guess if you're good at it, but it's you really fun to just good. to get, you don't have to Exercise be good. You know, it's, yeah. we have them where I live now. Yeah. Um, there's some courts in, in uh, Prospect. What do you, see, you know, when people complain of the tennis elbow, sure. number one, what is that really? Yeah. And then how can you conservatively treat it and so it doesn't flare back up? So tennis elbow um, is a condition that involves what we call the lateral epicondyle. And that's kind of the outside aspect of your elbow. Okay. And connected to that area, you have an extensor tendon kind of bundle, a group of muscles that uh, form into a tendon and kind of attach to that bone. Okay. It got, it got its name, actually, from people who, who play tennis. Really? Right? And if you do your... If you, do a traditional backhand, right? And yeah. if you're, um, I'm no tennis pro. No, and I could never do a backhand. I actually turn my body to hit it forehand because I that can't do like me too. But if you, <laughs> I was told if you're doing a a backhand incorrectly which, right. with your, be, your wrist bent somewhat, it puts a lot of tension onto that hmm. that muscle group, and that's when. <sighs> yeah. Um, um, I people, could feel that. 
just people, thinking about doing that when I was a kid. I remember doing and people that. would develop pain into that area, and that's I think that's how it's got the, its um, its origins. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so it's inflammation of essentially uh, a muscle and tendon that affects that uh, the aspect of the elbow, and typically it's ex- exacerbated with extending the wrist or moving mm-hmm. the wrist upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best treatment again for that, and initially is going to be some activity modification. And when I say that, it means kind of shut down. For how long? So initially I say at least you got to stop that activity for 10 days to two weeks, okay? Because it's a lot of times it's an overuse phenomenon. Whatever that right. you were doing um, was something that was repetitive. Would uh, you see than, this, this then in more of a person that plays all the time? Or like would it be that... It can depend. It can present. Warrior. It can present as as something that's been kind of festering and chronic mm. and getting worse and worse right. from an overuse activity. And then other times, it doesn't have to be always. You know, I was lifting a suitcase, mm. and all of a sudden, you know, you felt that that pain, and it hasn't been improving. Um, so it can present in a lot of different ways. The key is to to initially get that some of that rest. Your 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 initial treatment that includes kind of ice as well for inflammation can be beneficial um, and really a key to uh, to really strengthening that tendon after a period of rest and, and decreasing the inflammation there's a form of exercises called eccentric exercises it's a form of actually um, uh, lengthening the muscle and also uh, tightening it simultaneously and these are not heavy weights these mm-hmm. are exercises that you need to be kind of diligent with and they take time um, a lot of we're in immediate gratification kind of society. And we a lot are. Of times we're terrible. We want, we want uh, a quick fix. We want a quick fix, right? And it can take um, you know several weeks to even rehab this mm-hmm. at times. But they, you know, that's been shown the kind of the best evidence to try to improve that pain and kind of prevent that from um, from being exacerbated. And it's the exercise doing these exercises. Yeah, and then you know to complement that, if if you're not getting uh, significant pain relief with uh, conventional kind of anti-inflammatories. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned before, a, a targeted approach could be considered as well for that individual with a, a corticoid steroid injection to that area if needed. And, but, but you wouldn't rush to that. You would try the conservative first. That's, I always say with the, the exercise treatment and the kind of the initial rest is the foundation. And right. you can do an injection into that area, but if you're not compliant with the exercise pre- treatment, you're not. it's not setting you up, yourself up for success or, 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 or you know, a good treatment basis. So right. the injection is really kind of an adjunct to complement it, but right. the, the foundation and basis of it is the exercise treatment. Other things that you may see that can be done if you um, is a, a brace to that area. Um, so when you're playing, especially. Yeah, and that essentially is just trying to decompress that area yeah. so that pressure is not put at, right on the elbow, but right. a little bit lower. And then that can sometimes be beneficial for some. Um, you know, if, if, if things are very chronic and you're not progressing, um, as I mentioned before, there's there's um, some indication that uh, a regenerative treatment in terms of platelet-rich plasma treatment where actually a patient's own blood is spun, spun down, uh, some of the growth factors into that area can be injected around that tendon area to try to promote um, kind of healing to that area. That's interesting. When did that, that some, that's new? So that's, it's a it's a treatment that uh, has some, some evidence uh, uh, behind it, it's kind of an evolving treatment. It's continued mm. to be studied as well too. Um, it's something that can be can be considered. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's a newer treatment within um, the last ten years. Well, or so. that's really interesting. Yeah. One thing we mentioned before we went to the break was talking about the exercise piece, the physical therapy piece, and the diligence of the home program. And you just alluded to that now with the tennis elbow. So maybe we talk a little bit about the impact of that of for any injury. Yeah, just in a basis of, you know, of, of treating some of these um, kind of maintenance, home stretching, right kind of um, if it's low back or whether it's a shoulder kind of uh, uh, strengthening exercises I, I kind of preach that uh, I treat this as as medicine you know right. as after you've kind of uh, healed uh, from your your condition or that acute injury to try to prevent reoccurrence mm-hmm. or maybe exacerbation as that these are these maybe maintenance stretches or exercises can are your, your foundation and treat them as maybe you take a, a daily aspirin maybe as you right. take a antihypertensive 
positive well, these are your medicine um, and just to, because you're feeling better you should still do them yeah right and try to carve out a time and 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 to try to be diligent to try to continue with them and just trying to um, have the patient kind of buy into that philosophy it seems if 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 they do, then it can be um, really kind of beneficial down the road. You know, it's it's interesting because that's we we got away from it a little bit, but that's really important for the low back. Yeah, the low more back, than that's, anything. That's right? usually when we really emphasize it because um, the chances of of anybody having an instance or episode of low back pain, black pain at any time in their life is is fairly great. Right. And it and it can reoccur and to try to prevent those reoccurrences uh, some of those maintenance um, treatments are, are recommended as mm. kind of a, a baseline. So. You know, it's funny. I well, again, I was in orthopedic nursing for a long time and we used to lift our patients out of bed. I mean, big <laughs> patients. You know, it would just be two or three of us, depending on the size of the patient, with a fractured hip lifting them from bed to chair two or three times a day. And we did it for a lot of patients. I mean, I was in my 20s, and we were taught in nursing school good body mechanics. And I think that's something that you don't aren't taught that. You know, I don't think we're taught. And so when people are bending or lifting or picking something up, either at work or at home, we're doing yard work. That's some of our problem. I think we don't have we don't lift from the legs. We're lifting with our back. Sure. Right. And it's, it doesn't have to be heavy lifting. And it's just incorporating kind of good ergonomics. And it doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be in the act of, of lifting. Even those that have more of a uh, sedentary or desk job is really key to mm-hmm. get that chair, the chair set up, your computer monitor. So your 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 neck is not always in a flex flex position mouse height can be um, um, things to to kind of think about prevent carpal tunnel so it not only from a lifting aspect which is important but also even from just a static posture standpoint um, I think is is key too and something to consider Um, even just the the act of sitting um, especially with those that do have now I'm going to be conscious of sitting now (laughs) put Um, myself right in the chair of often just you know finding a reason to get up to decompress if you do have a disc issue to decompress that disc to um, to change positions right. um, can be can be key. You know, living um, with a husband that was very sports minded as we were kids into our marriage. One of the things that he did a lot, and then my son also was play baseball and swing the bat, swing the bat, swing the bat. But I don't think that they realize that as they get older, that method of swinging also strains the low back as well as the shoulders. So they were constantly pulling their backs out at some point in time when they hadn't really warmed up. Not only, you know, baseball, softball, golf, golf, <laughs> anything that has that rotational method. We, we really put, we load our, our cervical and lumbar disc most with um, flexion and rotation. And those mm-hmm. are kind of the, the fundamentals of a lot of our swinging or ball and, um, ball and bat sports. Um, so it really circles back to that, um, that importance and key of of stretching, stretching. prior um, and not to have that uh, initial kind of exacerbation of, of a uh, injury based on not warming up properly. Yeah, um, well, you'll see them, you know, you'll see the, the uh, baseball players swing the bats around and stretch from side to side when they're in the batter's cage. And even up. throwing as well, yeah. too. Uh, that, you know, throwing is a, the shoulder is a dynamic joint quite a bit. We have a lot of degrees of freedom and being able to um, kind of do a lot of different motions with it. And it's key to keep some of the the muscles that support it the rotator cuff muscles not only strong but also um, stretched out properly as well because you can develop uh, you know tendinopathies within those you can develop a tendonitis within to the biceps a lot of different um, uh, inflammatory processes by um, kind of overuse and extremely well now especially we you know our kids are starting at such young ages throwing those balls and throwing those balls so I'm sure by the time they get to be young adults, these these young young athletes are just getting hurt. And luckily, with um, you know things have changed at least somewhat in in, in baseball and little league and softball that yeah. they are looking at uh, pitch, count. pitch counts right. and and use of of. Um, Overuse essentially um, to kind of prevent those things from happening down the road. When you when someone comes into you with say a sore shoulder, so what are some of the first things that you do with them to diagnose what the what it is? So whenever somebody complains of shoulder pain, I think it's I I automatically 
we'll kind of evaluate the neck as well too because mm-hmm. um, a lot of times you can have referred pain from uh, either either or so and it's also important to get a good history you know the, the first patient encounter a lot of it the, the history will be key of when did the patients when did the patient's symptoms occur what were they doing um, whether it was um, you know an, an activity or trauma right um, and physical examination in addition to examining the neck there are a lot of dynamic or, or physical exam tests within the shoulder that can help try to key you in into whether um, it's more of a tendonitis. You can have what we call an impingement syndrome within the shoulder where uh, some of the structures may be rubbing kind of together for lack of better okay. word that um, with different positions. So um, the... Do you ever do imaging? The, yeah, especially if there's been trauma to okay. the, the shoulder, a radiograph may be indicated as well too. Um, if by all means they're not responding to um, uh, treatments, then um, some Sometimes deeper imaging in terms of an MRI can be more conclusive uh, to really evaluate the soft tissues, whether right. there's a rotator cuff tear, um, whether there's a tear of the soft t- tissue cartilage as well. Too. If there's a tear, does it always mean surgery, even if there's if there's a tear? Not necessarily. I mean, uh, it, it can depend on the tear. It can right. depend on the, the uh, characteristics of a tear, whether it's a full thickness tear, whether mm. it's um, the acuity of, is it, of it as well, too. Uh, there's a lot of different variables of it um, some tears can be rehabilitated others they don't ever repair but they could be rehabilitated rehabilitated in terms of trying to strengthen the okay. supporting uh, muscles around it we essentially have five rotator cuff muscles that wrote that support the shoulder and they all have different individual actions and um, the key is not only to maintain that range of motion if you have an, an injury but also kind of strengthen the surrounding muscles around it to try to help support it um, by all means if there is a complete tear or, or surgery is indicated sometimes it is even a a uh, time sensitive manner as well too if, if, if a tear has been present for too long that muscle can actually atrophy or, mm-hmm. or pull away where um, it may have been more beneficial to um, to ha- have a surgery done have the sooner. surgery right yeah. right right so um, by all means there's a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different uh, types of pathologies that can present and um, that's why it's good to discuss with the patient what their expectations are too and right. what their goals of care whether they want to get back to whether it's a high level of pitching or they do they just want to be able to reach into the cupboard and, right. and, and grab so there's a different functional goal that right. may um, vary between two patients based on how you're going to treat them correct definitely now you mentioned that if it you know if it's a shoulder you look to see if it's coming from the neck so how would you treat the neck so neck issues if it sometimes um, uh, neck issues whether it's coming from the disc right. sometimes into some of the arthritis of the neck or even mm-hmm. an impingement of the nerve it can cause uh, pain that radiates into the shoulder it can cause um, um, possibly neuropathic pain as well too pain that radiates into the arm um, as I mentioned physical exam can help guide some of that as well too if, uh, if their uh, their pain is replicated with certain mm-hmm. maneuvers that kind of lends more to more of a cervical issue as opposed to shoulder right um, if some of those things are present whether there's um, uh, neurological changes by all means typically an MRI would be beneficial mm-hmm. for deeper imaging right you just um, want to be sure it's not a cervical yeah. disc um, and th- there's a variety of treatments that can be done for that too in terms of uh, interventional treatment if, if right. needed usually complemented with physical therapy as well too what would they do for physical therapy for the, with to stretch out the neck yeah so uh, range of motion is always mm. key as well too to maintain uh, movement a lot of times even if it is let's say it is a disc or something deeper as a secondary measure a lot of times our muscles will tighten up surround it and have uh, um, spasm um, surrounding that area and some of the manual techniques or soft tissue c- techniques can um, reduce uh, spasm of the muscles there's actually modality treatments of cervical traction treatments that can be done too where the, th- the theoretic I didn't realize they still did that issue is where they actually are trying to uh, decompress or put right. pressure kind of spread out the discs uh, so there's less pressure on there too you know long ago that's what we did for all of our orthopedic patients everybody was in traction before we went to surgery because it would reduce the fracture 
and yeah. make the surgery much and, easier. You know, and those techniques have evolved with time, too. I think yeah. uh, there used to be weights and pulley systems. And oh, others. that's exactly what we had. That's what I picture. <laughs> used to be, there. Johnny. Used to be. That's when we have weights and pulleys. Now there's pneumatic, pneumonic uh, uh, issues amazing. with kind of air that can com- um, compress and distract that issue. There's manual techniques, too. So there's I a lot of I can't believe I was in the weights and pulley era. It's all right. It's all right. They still right? use that. They did wait. There was weights and pulling. We had yeah. to make sure the rope was even. Otherwise, our biggest issue was we had four bed wards, and sometimes you had four guys in a room with a mo- from a motorcycle accident. Yeah. Oh, it was good. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely interesting times. When we Before we came on the air, we were talking about different things that you see. One of the things that people hear about, but I don't know that they understand what it really is, and maybe they hear the term is shin splint. How is that caused? What is it really, and how do we treat it? Sure. Um, so uh, it's called a shin splints are conventionally medial. It's a medial medial tibial stress syndrome. And how's it caused? So um, typically, it's again another overuse phenomenon, and usually it's usually impact activity. These are uh, common for your your runners that maybe weren't uh, weren't used to running for a certain time, and then they increase their mileage, mm. or they're. Um, just picking up running for the first time and it's it's key to get a important history here too because it can also mimic sometimes um um, at least a presentation of even a stress fracture as well too and it's important to try to differentiate between the two um but it's really characterized as a a a pain within to the the front part of the tibia which is your your shin bone which is uh, usually worse with uh kind of impact activity um and as you can imagine a lot of times that's kind of the same presentation of a as a stress fracture as two and and it can Mm. present with uh similar symptoms so sometimes imaging is needed to kind of differentiate between the two um um ice anti-inflammatories and right. again that uh, dreaded activity modification of, right. of kind of we'll decreasing activity for some time will be beneficial and that this is a time where you really the patient is the best guide of when we can kind of increase or um, escalate their activity if they remain or symptoms remain or return then that's our body telling us that we need that it's not ready still healing and to, to not uh, uh, further increase that activity until. if it's a stress fracture what happens because I've heard that term too yeah, stress. Well, I know that term, but stress I just fracture of the, the 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 tibia or, or to that to that leg bone area um, that will result in a little bit more uh, prolonged period of immobilization, um, um, and not just based on. On, on symptoms, so right. you're looking at a you know minimum of typically four to six weeks, and there's other it's things so that hard. you want to um, evaluate to make sure there isn't any metabolic uh, deficiency, whether it's a, a vitamin D issue right. or calcium or if um, um, hormone issues right. as well too, um, especially for uh, females as well too. So it, if it's an unexpected stress fracture, that may kind of warrant a further medical workup to make sure there's no other underlying cause rather than just uh, conventional. Impact. What about the term? I know we're getting close to the end, but I, the term bone bruise, because I've heard that too. Just to you know, educate what that is, and because that's more conservative treatment, a bone bruise. We hear that in sports all the time. You hear yeah, that, you know, you hear that in baseball. Um, a lot of times it would be due to a trauma or impact, okay. and, yep. and uh, it may not result in an actual break, break. of the the actual bone integrity, um, but it, eventually what you're having is some swelling or contusion within to the actual bone, right? Um, which it, it doesn't mean it doesn't. It can definitely hurt, right. um, but it doesn't indicate that there's a break, um, and um, the body just needs to somewhat uh, heal and, and kind of absorb all that. Yeah, just as if you had a, an impact to soft tissue and had a um, um, a bruise to the soft tissue, uh, you can imagine uh, a deeper impact to the bone causing a um, bruising would take some time to heal and can be painful as well, too. So when my husband yells that a baseball player needs to get back on the field, he needs to understand they really do need that time to rest. Yeah, they're not just taking it. They're uh, not just taking it vacation. easy. Yells. My husband will say, yeah, they need to get <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it's true. You know, the more and more I learn about the different injuries and the way they're treated, it is time and rest. It's the only thing that works. And a lot of them. Uh, for a lot and of our soft tissue and and um, um, injuries related to either uh, trauma or or um, use, yeah, I mean, there isn't always a magic magic cure, right. um, and sometimes time does is is the healer. But the beauty of physiatry is, is that you look at the whole picture. 
Yeah, I think it and is. I love that. And I think the the key too is that to to really focus in on the functional goals of mm-hmm. the patient and take that at our initial counter of what what their goal is to mm-hmm. whether it's more pain driven to decrease pain or is it more to well I want to be able to walk a two mile loop or mm-hmm. and take that into encounter to really reach those goals and say well what do we want to accomplish here right and i think that's uh, more the physiatric approach and and it is definitely a whole picture and it's also a team approach which again you know we talked about in the beginning but it's also that education of the patient on how to utilize home physical therapy but staying really dedicated to the program that this might be a lifetime exercise that you need to like you said take in your blood pressure medication yeah you know, and it's so important. And we talked a little bit about collaboration with other right. physicians, but I think, you know, we also um, collaborate a lot with the physical therapists as well too, mm. um, to to not only um, to guide our treatments, but they communicate back to us because they spend a lot of time with the patient and can kind of communicate of their progress as well too. Um, so it's nice to have that yeah, two-way definitely. feedback. You know, we talk about people getting out there now, the weather's better. What's the one tip you would give them if they're getting back out there? Is so, it the warm up? Is it the so it's the initial stretch, warm up. No, don't just go out there and and jump in headfirst to your activity. Two, if if it's a new activity or new sport, to to increase your exposure to it gradually mm. and really get see how you mm. do or so your true. the next day to determine what your body response is before kind of escalating. We see a lot of that times with exercise tapes or videos that oh, they yeah. may go on a regimen that calls for a five day routine and you know by day <laughs> three they they're um, you know they can no longer participate. So they really do it um, um, gradually because they're hurting. Because they're hurting because they didn't do their warm-ups. <laughs> well, Dr. Berry, thank you so much for explaining the world of physiatry to us. I wanted to make sure that we educated everyone on that world. And since, we're, again, we're in that season where everybody's out there, you gave us some great tips. So thank you so much. And talk to us about how physiatry can help some of those injuries. It was my pleasure. So, um, you know, if you're having a um, musculoskeletal condition or pain or discomfort um, and you're, it's affecting or impeding your, your activity mm-hmm. or your functional goals, you know, feel free to, um, we have offices in Middlebury, Prospect, uh, we'd happy to at least evaluate you and, and right. see if we can make a, a prior a proper diagnosis and kind of guide a comprehensive treatment plan for you to accomplish those those goals or, or decrease pain or whatever your goals may be. That's awesome. So Dr. Berry can be found on their website, ctspinedoc.com, which is kind of neat. ctspinedoc, all one word, D-O-C, dot com. And you will see information on Dr. Patel, Dr. Berry, Dr. Giuliani, and the rest of the team. Correct. And you also see how see the num- the phone numbers, all the various locations um, for an appointment. You can call them at 203-598-7246. But again, I invite you to go to their website because it's pretty impressive and you have a lot of different information about there on there about physiatry so people can really read up. So again, thank you so much for joining us and being part of our events. And I'm going to invite Dr. Giuliani on because he needs some equal time. Yeah. Dr. Patel's been on. <laughs> I'll bring him back another time. But definitely we'll get Dr. Giuliani on and, and we encourage you guys to participate in some more of our stuff. Yes, yeah, a lot, love a lot of fun. We appreciate the invitation. I had oh, fun tonight. So. Great, thank you. And you do a lot of stuff out of our um, Naugatuck Valley Surgery Center, too. Yep, so we, we do some procedures out of there as well. So. Which is great. So it's a great team effort. So thank you so much for bringing your specialty. And I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. We um, will be back in two weeks. This is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. And please go to our website, stmh.org. And if you go on Find a Doc, you can find out some more also about um, Dr. Berry and Dr. Patel and Giuliani and the whole practice there on, on our website. So you can look at that. So thank you again, Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Exceptional care, every patient, every day. Have a great holiday weekend and safe.